Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets. No, Big Mac and Quarter Pounder with cheese. Or filet fish You'd be doing the same thing if you were at McDonald's because you can choose not just one, but two of your favorites for just six bucks. Tasty Big Mac, crispy 10-piece Chicken McNuggets, juicy Quarter Pounder with cheese, or savory filet fish Enjoy two of your all-time favorites for just six bucks, if you can decide on the two. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Go New York, go New York, go! Go New York, go New York, go! What's up, everyone? Ah, some of my favorite Knicks of all time. It's Friday night, March 20th. Seven days away from my birthday. And remember, next Friday night, right after SmackDown, yours truly and Mish... We'll be right here, spending my birthday, doing a little bit of a marathon, maybe raising some money that we're going to put towards charity. Uh, it's going to be a blast. Um, we're going to have coffee ready, a couple other things on the horizon. And, you know, I'll explain it during the week a little bit further. But, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. A big New York Knicks fan. In fact, uh, if you go to my Twitter, at Don Tony D, I posted three evil uno shirts that i want to you know you to vote which one you think is the coolest i should get yeah i probably should get all three but um there's a reason why i wanted to buy the shirt not that i'm suddenly a big evil uno fan or because brody lee is now the exalted one we're gonna get into that in a little bit because braun Strowman unfortunately opened up his mouth um once again probably the best way to put it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, and I have few choice words to say about that. And others, yes, evil pizza uno. You know, I hope everybody knows by now that I say that jokingly. I don't think evil uno is all that bad. I mean, you know, the storyline had uh, some big bumps in the road, but it seems to have smoothed out quite a bit. Got to give him credit. Now, speaking of AEW, if you're not aware of it already, the ratings are in. Now, I'm going to save everybody the pain of having me play my prediction from Wednesday night. But if anybody, you know, wants the specific clip, go to my Twitter at Don Tony D. I posted the link there. But if you re, if you missed Wednesday Night Dynamite, you know, I was not happy with NXT at all. Um, the smoke and mirrors that this billion-dollar company is trying to pull off with a skeleton crew, um, it's, there's no, you would think, you know, let me, let me say it like this. Nicest way I could put it. I could add, because I didn't say this on Wednesday. You know, if you're going to go forward with a show anyway, and you're going to have all of your co-workers, former wrestlers, current wrestlers, Hall of Fame wrestlers, all praise, put it over, have Triple H come out. I can't believe fucking Vince McMahon has not come out at all in the last 10 days. You know, just to tell the fans himself, we're here to entertain you, to get your mind off of what's going on. Now, you would think with, with the stock being down, what, $60 a share before this virus hit, you would think with the pressure of AEW building momentum, yeah, look, they're still this big, but they're building momentum. And the one thing that AEW, whether you like them or not, something I said two years ago, they were going to be the first ever millennial promotion. They have taken that to another level. They truly listen 
to the fans. You feel like they are taking into an account, they are paying attention of where the vibes are going in different areas. Um, and you would think, with all of that going on, WWE, with WrestleMania season, try to re-grab that positivity. You know, the stocks are down, the revenue is down. It's starting to get exposed as far as, you know, the, the, the house shows being canceled. You know, it's smoke and mirrors for all so long. And you would think, if you're going to go ahead and say that you're doing something to get all the fans' minds off of it, have all of these wrestlers tweet about it, have all this stuff done, you would think that they give you that feeling that, you know, if you if they're going to be the focal focus point right now, you know, right now, everybody's forced to stay at home. So it's not like people are working, people are out, people are, are going out for the weekend and this, this, and that. You have a much larger wrestling audience staying home, and that yet does not get more people to tune in. So you would think, especially with what's going on right now, that they would go balls out. Forget WrestleMania for a minute. They would go balls out. Maybe WWE versus NXT, you know, just this is as a fun change of pace and this, this and that. They have done nothing. Forget WrestleMania. They have done nothing to give you this feeling that they are going all out to make your mind forget about pro wrestling. They are just going through the motions. That's what it feels like. If they were honest with their fans like Wednesday, and say that, you know, even though, you know, with what's going on with the virus, and even though, you know, it's, everybody is trying to say, we're still going to give you a show, and we're going to, and you tell them, we're going to show the, the history of Trump and Gargano and this, this, and that, but they gave this aura that it was, you know, business as usual, you know, and I picked up on it Monday, and a lot of people are giving me credit for it, not every single person on the roster, but you see rotation. You see a lot of people seven days apart. You The, the Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, you think they kept them on SmackDown just to cut a promo today? That was recorded last week. By the way, Philip Maffey, what's going on, my friend? Do I think WrestleMania could still be canceled? And by the way, before I answer that, a uh, couple of things very quickly. I'm going to tell you right up front what this episode tonight is going to be. I'm going to discuss SmackDown a little bit, give a couple other tidbits about a few other things. I'm going to talk about Braun Strowman and him putting his foot in his mouth once again, this time not only uh, disrespecting indie wrestlers that are not working right now, but he also had a little bit of an exchange with uh, Lance Archer, which you may not even be aware of. Um I'm also going to get into all of your questions. This is totally interactive today. And the chat is open. The super chat is open. Um, obviously, the super chat gets a little more attention. But if you noticed, on Wednesday, I gave away 10, I think 11 shirts. So believe me when I tell you, when money comes in towards my shows, of course, I got expenses, you know, but I always try to give back. You know, it, it, something I always want to do for everybody by the way what's up mish mish is live right now i think mish is tuning in because he knows i'm gonna do a little rant later about some people taking shots at my family um 
when the time is right, we'll talk about that. I know some people are having popcorn, expecting me to throw a certain podcaster under the bus. Never was my intention. Will not happen tonight, but we will explain about that and a few other things. And in the process, I get to tell you a growing up Don Tony story that is very raw, very personal, might be the most raw, how do I say this right? The rawest growing up Don Tony story I've ever told. It's pretty disturbing. I think some people might actually, you know, get a little disturbed by it, but it's to prove a bigger point. But uh, Dells, what's going on, my friend? Carmelo, Tangoon, everybody, you know, Mr. Wombat. Hey, Mr. Wombat. You know. So, um, all right, what do you guys want me to talk about first? You want me to talk about this Braun Strowman thing? Um, you know, uh, should we talk about him? Yeah, well, you know what? Let me t talk about SmackDown tonight. So, you know, we get the opening of SmackDown. And uh, I'll bring up one thing that pissed me off tonight about SmackDown more than anything. And like I said, you know, it. of course the wrestlers are in Florida and they're, you know, they're wrestling one or two matches. They still want to entertain fans. But if why can't you have more of that? Why is the entire NXT roster disappeared? You know, whether it's Wednesday or today, I mean, it just does not feel like WrestleMania. They did announce that now, and remember I said this last week, that don't be surprised if a lot of WrestleMania is pre-recorded, which would be the smart thing to do because you could get creative. You could brawl in the kitchen, brawl in the parking lot, brawl here. You could edit things out. You could splice things together and really make it tight. You know, unfortunately, sometimes with WWE and WrestleMania, when you pre-record things, sometimes it doesn't work out all that well. Maybe not necessarily WrestleMania, but, you know, other pay-per-views. First thing I think right off the bat is Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt in that house that time. Remember that garbage? The one thing I always remember from that wasn't like it dark, but yet it was still light at the arena. I mean, just little things like that are just careless in my opinion. And by the way, by the way, I wasn't kidding before when I said I am going to buy a ringside wrestling t-shirt and it's going to take a little bit longer to get. And by the way, for everybody that got shirts Wednesday, it's going to take a little bit longer for you to get yours because Chicago has a shutdown order right now. Everybody's forced to stay in. So uh, pro wrestling tees and the t-shirt companies, uh, they're not able to work right now. So hopefully this, this only lasts for a week or two, but everybody's going to get their shirts. But I said earlier, I'm going to buy a ringside news, uh, ringside wrestling t-shirt. And then on a future episode, I am going to eat extra duck fat on my keto diet. I'm not going to shower for a day and I'm going to pull my pants down and I am going to wipe my bare ass with that shirt. That website is such garbage. And we got to find out tonight which website is the first one to be guilty of that clickbait because you could see it now. AEW wrestler, current AEW wrestler appears on SmackDown. Come on. You don't see that a mile away because they showed Luke Harper during that uh, Bray Wyatt John Cena match. Wait, wait. Every single goof that does that tonight, that is the ultimate tweet bang that I talk about. Jerk offs. So anyway, um, speaking of that Bray Wyatt-John Cena match today. Explain something to me, everybody. Oh, one thing very quickly. 
Last Wednesday, we had a little audio issue. Monday, we had a little audio issue. I did figure out that I have a bad cable here. Now, tomorrow, I'm getting an Amazon delivery with a new cable. So please let me know immediately today if you hear any audio issue. I should be able to just reboot the audio and everything will be fine. But I think after tomorrow, we'll never have to worry about that issue again. In fact, I replaced my uh, cable that goes into my Logitech Brio. So um, I did that today. So I'm trying to really upgrade all my wiring and everything. There must be some type of interference somewhere. So, um, but anyway, we get the announcement today that ESPN, not because they love WWE, you know, yeah, there's rumors that ESPN Plus may have the pay-per-views in the future. Remember which podcaster told you that there's no reason why those pay-per-views cannot air on ESPN Plus and the WWE Network. You see all of these goofs out there. They're going to lose all these subscribers. They're going to lose all these subscribers. Um, yeah, it can be available in one more, one more than one outlet out there. Um, by the way, who was the one to tell you all along as much as I wanted to be wrong? Didn't I tell everybody two weeks ago that Paige, there was not going to be an announcement that she was returning to the ring. I said that she was going to be the catalyst to start the dissension, to split the tease of the breakup between Bailey and Sasha Banks. That's what we got today. So at WrestleMania, and we're going to go back and forth, but um, Paige was in Los Angeles. She is self-quarantining herself. She wasn't going to fly for seven hours to Florida and then fly all the way back. It was simulcast, even though people thought that she was going to be there tonight. And Bailey and Sasha Banks are in the ring, and Paige is on the simulcast, and Paige is talking about how she's, she's upset. She's upset. So she apparently got the okay from Fox or... WWE or whoever she got the permission that Bailey was going to be wrestling in a elimination gauntlet match. And the first person that she comes up with is Lacey Evans. Now, Mish and I uh, have always showed tremendous support for Lacey Evans. I appreciate everybody else who now know her a little bit better in her personal life and the Marine background. But let's just say that the interaction between Bailey and Lacey Evans has not been all that pleasant leading up to this. So they announced that. And then Bailey, uh, Paige is like, oh, you, it's, you have another opponent, Dana Brooke. And I'm saying to myself, you know, are you kidding me? Then she announces Tamina. Now, it is cool to see Tamina come back. But you got now Bailey. This is the WrestleMania buildup now. Now remember what I said. You will see some names absent at WrestleMania. I have been talking about this for 10 days now. I really haven't seen any websites writing it, which surprises me because they guess half the time. But, you know, anybody that is really concerned about their health and doesn't feel comfortable to come to Florida to appear on Raw or SmackDown or NXT, whatever it is, that they can stay home. That's why you didn't see Paige. That's why you still haven't seen some others. Figure it out. There's quite a few names that you haven't seen at all. But with all this hype, now you have Bailey versus Lacey Evans versus Dana Brooke versus Tamina 
you know, it sounds like, you know, come on. Is that WrestleMania quality? Oh, Naomi too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and Sasha Banks. And Sasha's got that look on her face like, oh, my God. Let me get to do it. It's my friend. That's what it was. The whole story, it feels like the WWE is milking the Bailey sasha Banks storyline into the next pay-per-view beyond WrestleMania, which honestly might be a good idea, in my opinion. But... It just does not have that WrestleMania feel. You know, you would think that WWE would have learned from their mistakes on Raw and SmackDown. Now, I know a lot of people today were like, oh, you think WWE would take a page from AEW and have vocal wrestlers sitting in the audience of this and that. I honestly never thought that that would happen for the simple reason that WWE would not want everybody to give AEW credit to say, oh, AEW is the one that did it and did it well. So WWE copied AEW. You could almost feel, and even if you can't stand AEW, you have to admit, it almost feels what we saw tonight on SmackDown in a way is WWE absolutely refusing to make any changes to the visual of SmackDown um, because they did not want anyone to accuse WWE of copying AEW, if you really think about it. Even though, you know, the faction with Sami Zayn is now blah, 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 collective, whatever. You know, it's not the first time they've used the same name, the companies. But my biggest pet peeve with what we have had on SmackDown, Raw and SmackDown, I brought this up Wednesday, darken the fucking arena, we don't need to be reminded that every row that you see in the back is empty with the exception of a couple of, you know, building crew. You know, keeping the lights lit, it just, you would think that they would have done that at minimum. They change almost nothing, almost nothing. And it feels like, again, it feels like WWE refused to make some amendments because they didn't want anybody to say, oh, WWE copied AEW. My God, look at the fucking ratings from Wednesday. And by the way, I was talking about that earlier. On Wednesday, I said, point blank, I predicted NXT would have 628. And I said, I was being very generous to AEW, I mean, to NXT. I said, I would be shocked if they drew more than 600,000 viewers. I'd be shocked. That's what I said on Wednesday. You could hear it back. And I was being generous with 628, and NXT's rating was 542. I mean, 542. You have extra fans. You have kids home from school. You have people not working. You have a larger wrestling audience at home. You think you'd put on the suit? You think you'd shave? You think you comb your hair? And you know what? Let's fucking, you know, go all out and show everyone we are the emotional band-aid. We are the promotion that shows that we really want to get everybody's mind off it. Does WWE give you that feeling like they're trying to get everybody's mind off of what they're fucking afraid to even call say the word coronavirus. They're fucking afraid to say COVID-19. So AEW, my prediction on Wednesday was 955,000. Very close. 
They scored 932. So you explain that to me. Ex just explain it to me. The fact that AEW beat NXT that large tells you that the formula that WWE did on Wednesday did not work. Otherwise, at minimum, you'd have pretty much the same audience that you've had in previous weeks. And again, you had a larger wrestling audience at home Wednesday night. It's not like, oh, you know, the debate is on. Oh, the World Series is on. The NBA playoffs is on. The, the hockey game is on. Oh, there was a mass shooting somewhere. There was an earthquake somewhere. Don't give me this, well, maybe other people, everybody was tuning in to footy coverage about the virus. This was 8 o'clock at night. There were no more you know, Trump or anybody doing press conferences. Everybody was back in their bedrooms. So the fact that WWE did nothing to improve on the negative feedback is telling. It's telling. It does not feel, it, it feels like I, what I've said on Wednesday. You know, it feels like WWE absolutely feels like they got to put something on and they want to just get by for a couple of weeks. Let's just get up to WrestleMania. We'll record this, we'll do this, and blah, 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 blah. And we're going to do it across two nights. Why are they doing it across two nights? Because they're recording stuff and they want to split it up into the two. So if you, look, if, if somebody makes you a, a, a really Shangada dinner and it's broken up across two meals, you know, you're being fed a little bit and you feel like, oh, you know, so, oh, but you got the next night to enjoy a little bit more. There's going to be a lot of stuff pre-recorded. In fact, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me because I have been spot on in everything that I've talked about so far. It would not surprise me. And even the shirt, the shirt. Did you see the shirt that WWE came out with? Do you remember that joke that I made last week that WWE should come out with a shirt about, you know, nobody being able to see WrestleMania? They came out with a shirt. This is a legit shirt. I wasn't there. You know, too big for one night. I wasn't there. They're selling that right now. It's not a bad looking shirt. It's kind of funny because you can't even see the ship. And my thoughts was, yeah, because the ship seems to be sinking, you know. What a what a bad, who came up with a ship idea? You know, you, you lose it $60 in the stock. Oh, so let's put a visual out there where people could joke and say, hey, it's a sinking ship. I don't get it. I just don't get it. But here's the thing that I picked up on immediately today. And I didn't even say what I was going to say before about Cena and Wyatt today. I'll get to that in a minute. But you would think when they put up a shirt like this, especially with what's going on right now, with so many people out of work, that you would think that WWE, even if it was a buck, you would think that WWE would say that a portion of the proceeds of this shirt will go towards COVID-19 fund or go towards families who need it. Do I expect WWE to make an announcement that they're going to be donating money? Absolutely. It's a tax write-off. Absolutely. They'll make an announcement. But you release a shirt like that, and you don't announce that any of the proceeds are going towards some type of a charity? Come on, man. You, I sound like Joe Biden. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. You announce ESPN is going to air for the next three weeks. WrestleMania. Now, why would you do it three weeks if WrestleMania is in two weeks? 
whatever. ESPN is in need of some type of entertainment. They don't want to just play retro games of basketball, baseball, football, hockey, tennis, boxing, karate. So they're going to put WrestleMania on for three straight weeks. You know, unedited. It's going to be funny with all the commercials. So these are going to... Just think about that for a minute. On e, I, I didn't even think about this until now. ESPN, the next three weeks, is going to air WrestleMania 30, WrestleMania 32, and WrestleMania 35. Now, each one of those shows is, what, four or five hours long? You put commercials in there? I'm serious. I mean, it's supposed to start, I think it's 7 o'clock at night, but if they started like around 11 o'clock at night, you literally could go to sleep, take a sleeping pill, wake up the next day for work, and the fucking WrestleMania is still on ESPN. But here's the thing that I thought was hilarious today. You know, I think we got to start doing that. You know, take a little page from Joe Biden when there's really dopey shit like WWE. You don't donate anything to, to, to charity? Come on, man. So what do they do? They announced today that ESPN for the next three weeks is going to have WrestleMania. Those three that I told you. So they're going to start with this Sunday. WrestleMania 30. Oh, my God. Daniel Bryan. It, you know, he made it. Yes, 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 yes. Well, what is one of those matches on that WrestleMania 30 that will air this Sunday on ESPN? Bray Wyatt versus John Cena. So let me think of this logic now. In less than 48 hours on ESPN, they're going to air WrestleMania 30 in its entirety. One of the matches in its entirety that went almost 30 minutes is John Cena versus Bray Wyatt. So their thinking is, even though it's going to air in 48 hours on ESPN, let's fucking air it two days earlier on SmackDown. Just think about that. That was a little less than one quarter of SmackDown today. A little less than one quarter of the show was airing a match that is going to air again in less than 48 hours on ESPN. Come on, man. Come on, man. John Krauser, what's up, my friend? That cash app, man, they didn't come through, right? I, I, I'm sure a lot of you know what that cash app is now where you could send money to people. I opened one up about a week ago and um, somebody sent me 100 bucks and said, put it towards your YouTube show. Give away some shirts. So somebody actually took care of about half the cost. Well, one third of the cost from Wednesday. So they were giving out money today. And uh, you had to see all these people. Oh, my God, I'm homeless. I'm this and that. Yeah, you're homeless, but you're tweeting. You know, and 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 even when people said, send from my iPhone, I'm homeless. And they're sending $250 a pop over and over and over again. You, you almost got to like lie through your teeth to get anybody to help you. And that's a shame. That's a shame. People want to be, want their ass kicked, kissed so badly in order to do anything for some people. It's ridiculous. You know, that's the one thing over the years that I have sung the praise for, for Mick Foley more than anybody else. If I had a dollar for every time Mick Foley did something for a fan that was never recorded, that was never talked about, I'd be a millionaire right now. You know, everybody needs some type of acknowledgement. Everybody needs to feel like, you know, someone is telling them being special. 
Do you see all these people like I talked about earlier in the week? Oh, support your local indie wrestlers. Buy their merchandise. Buy their shirt. They're not working. Buy this, this, and that. Meanwhile, those motherfuckers that are telling you to do this, they ain't showing their receipts. They ain't buying nothing. They're telling you what to do with your money. And I have no problem. That's why we did the giveaway on Wednesday. I want everybody to support your favorite locals that are out of work. But keep in mind, a lot of you out there are also out of work. What are they doing for you? Come on, man. Come on, man. It's a little hot in here. You know, it's, I'm wearing a suit jacket. And today, it was like 65 degrees outside. It was kind of, it was a weird day, man. So those that don't know, here in New York, they announced that starting, I think, today or Sunday, only essential employees are allowed to work. Everybody else is forced to stay home. I went on New York City's website. I felt kind of important today because when I looked down the list of who is considered an essential employee, I am one of them. Because I'm in the insurance business and I have my own insurance brokerage, I am one of those that's considered an essential employee. So I'm still working in my office. I've streamed a little bit from there. I'll probably stream on Monday again. Do I feel comfortable in my office? Absolutely not. But the problem is, is that for my customers, I have people that are pending cancellation next week for non-payment for their car insurance, business insurance, house insurance, and none of these insurance companies are giving them extra time. So if I have a customer that says, look, I, I went to the, his office to make the payment and there was nobody here, the insurance company's not going to say, okay, you know, we'll reinstate you. No, they're going to keep them canceled. So I'm forced to be there. And not only am I doing insurance work, I do taxes. I'm doing a lot of my elderly customers' taxes for free. I'm also helping people file insurance claims to try to get some type of business interruption insurance. I'm also, because my father's got the grocery store, I did a little bit of deliveries yesterday and today for about an hour, hour and a half. That may not sound like a lot, but so many things going on. Plus, you know, just really, I scrubbed my office yesterday. I cleaned in here today, you know, just petrified of these germs. So there's just a lot of things going on at the same time. So um, is Prisco, are you, are, you, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me, Prisco? Are you talking to me? I don't think he's talking to me. So anyway, let's talk about Braun Strowman, since we were just talking about people out of work. Braun Strowman, I don't have the tweet in front of me of his back and forth with Lance Archer. I have the, the transcript because somebody posted it for me. But for those that don't know about what went down, um, Evil Uno, this is the story that I pretty much got. Evil Uno had written something last week talking about how... Um, you know, support indie wrestlers, people are out of work. Some people set up GoFundMes. You know, people, they don't have money in the bank. I'm not BSing. I swear on my mother, I'll never do a show again if I'm lying to anybody out there. All right. My bank account is not even in the five digits, which would mean 10,000. Okay. Everybody knows, well, a lot of you know about what happened with me with IRS several months ago, it just got resolved. It did get resolved. They cut it in half, which means I still owe them a crazy amount of money. 
So, you know, I, I fortunately have a little money in the bank that I know I could take care of my utilities for food, this and that. Not everybody is able to do that. So you got Evil Uno. You know, somebody's asking who is Evil Uno. He's, just, he's in the Dark Order and AEW. He's talking last week about, you know, helping people and supporting. And a lot of wrestlers, a lot of you don't even know this. John Moxley, talk about staying under, you know, low-key about this. Who's the wrestler? If anybody, it's a long-time listener. Who is the wrestler that I have said that has probably more than anybody else out there popped up on GoFundMe pages and sending large donations to wrestlers, other people in need? There's one person that I have talked about in the past that... You never, ever see him talk about it, but his name has popped up over and over and over again. $5,000 here, $1,000 there, 5000 here, 2000 there. Right. Shezzy was right. Jericho. You would be shocked how many times Chris Irvine's name has popped up on GoFundMes for people that really, you know, for medical, surgery, you know, bills, whatever it is. Jericho. Over and over and over again. God bless that guy. You know who's doing it right now too? Moxley. On Monday, I talked about um, Mustafa Ali. Remember on Monday, I said, it's a shame because no fucking website is going to talk about it until they see other people tweet banging about it. Mustafa Ali started helping indie feds last week in the, in the Illinois area. He was covering all the wrestlers' pay and everything like that. There are people stepping up trying to help their fellow man. So this is what we get, you know, last week. Evil Uno was the one that was, you know, singled out, I think, more than anybody. And Braun Strowman opens up his fucking mouth. And let me see if I could put, yeah, here it is. So I, I don't know who Adam Shear 99 is, but, you know, I got to give him credit because he's the one that put up the transcript that I actually saw it. Let's, let me see if, uh, if I could cue this up over here. There we go. Yeah, let's make it bigger. All right. This is what Braun Strowman said. Here we go with more of the somebody pay for my bills stuff. If you can't afford to pay your bills, maybe you should change professions. That's why I quit Strongman. I loved it, but I couldn't afford to live. So instead of making a GoFundMe or Patreon wanting someone else to take care of me, I went out and worked harder than I ever have in my life to get where I am. What happened to, be, to being accountable for your own actions, all right? Now, you think about that for a minute. Now, I am one of those that said, you know, last week, and this is what started this war with John Draper, which really made, now it kind of makes sense. But for those that don't know, and this will tie into the whole Braun Strowman thing, all right? A week ago, when they started talking a little bit about emergency unemployment benefits here in New York, all right, I, I run a business. I've had employees. Employees don't actually pay into unemployment insurance. Employers do. And we pay a certain amount of money based on how much somebody gets paid. Now, somebody, oh, okay, thank you, Mike G. I didn't... 
I now I feel like an idiot. Absolutely feel like an idiot. Maybe maybe because I was sniff. Maybe I need to sniff this. No, I. Can't. It's empty. No, but see, I didn't even realize it. that's Braun Strowman's real name. So that is his social media page. So I was going to give credit to some other Matarats for posting it. That's Braun Strowman. So credit to him, the Matarats. So anyway, check this out. So when somebody gets unemployment, I don't think it was completely uh, empty because now my eyes are a little burning. When somebody gets unemployment, it's based on a percentage of how much they make on the books. So last week, you know, I have two Facebook pages. I have one related to the show, and I have one that's my personal life. Friends I grew up with, relatives, an ex-girlfriend, some of my closest personal friends. There's a couple of you on there as well, but it's my personal page. Some very personal stuff is on there. And I grew up in Middle Village, Queens. So I'm on a group from Middle Village, Guys, I'm in a group for my high school. I'm in a group for Howard Beach. I'm in a group for Queens. I'm in a lot of different groups. I think a lot of people think that I, whenever I'm on social media, it's only Twitter and nothing else. I'm on other groups. And last week, because of the debate going on with Biden and Sanders, there was a couple of people in one particular group that were saying that they should be entitled to unemployment benefits, even though they never worked on the books. And I watched this one lady who was talking about how her only job that she ever had in her lifetime was working for this one guy in a deli where she was a cashier and she always got paid off the books. And she admitted that she wanted to be paid off the books so she didn't have to pay taxes. She had more money in her pocket. Now, because she can't get unemployment benefits, she wanted to file a complaint against her boss saying that her boss tricked her into taking no tax, you know, not having any of her income taxed. This way she could try to get unemployment benefits. And meanwhile, this this boss is would be investigated. And you had these people who are pretty much pro-Bernie Sanders insisting that they should be entitled for something that they never earned. If you don't pay taxes, if you're not on the books, just as a boss, you can't mathematically calculate it. So I go on Twitter last week. My tweet is still up. I don't tweet and delete unless I misspell. I delete that, but I usually post it right after. I, I went on Twitter and I wrote that I'm laughing my ass off at some of these people on a Facebook page that are demanding unemployment benefits. If you don't pay, ta- have never paid taxes and you never were on the books, you ain't entitled to nothing. And, th- and that's just the fact. That's not me being cold that's the reason why you pay taxes. That's the reason why you pay into Social Security. My mother, my mother's retired. My mother never walk, worked in her life past 19 years old because my father is an old school Italian and my father's one of these guys like, my wife cannot work. She should stay home and take care of the kids. So my mother never worked. As far as I'm alive, in all of the decades and I'm alive, my mother never had a job outside of the house. My father worked three jobs, worked 18 hours a day. So there would be enough money to pay the mortgage for him to have that ugly 78 Coupe de Ville, which you all have seen in the past that I used to bring the scumbag alley. But that was my father's choice. My mother could have gotten a secretarial job or something else to help make ends meet. 
But my father in the 70s and the 80s, my father had this mentality, my wife does not work. So my father worked three jobs for about 11 years, worked three jobs at the same time just to make ends meet. My father became successful. My father invested in real estate. My father made money. And because my father made money, that people, you know, should, should shit on him for that. So anyway, let me finish up my point. And this gets to Braun Strowman. Baron Corbin is in on this too. What's up, Joe Punches? He's tuning in live. What's going on, my friend? So anyway, long story short. So I'm getting a kick out of these people who are demanding something for nothing and insisting that they're entitled for something. That's not me being cold. It's just employer. You just, how do you calculate somebody's unemployment benefits if they never worked on the books in their life? Go look at it. It's on my Twitter, at Don Tony D. Immediately, John Draper starts really ripping on me. And he's saying, well, you know, some people in their lifetime, you know, unfortunately could not choose the type of job that they had. And they didn't have the luxury of having rich parents that own multiple houses and that. And I said to him, I said, I agree. But that is absolutely nothing to what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are demanding benefits when they never worked on the books. So if you never worked on the books, that's your choice. Don't expect something when, if you never put any money into it. So getting back to my mom, my mom is 70, 71. She's going to be 72 this year. You know how much a social security check is? Because she hasn't worked on the books since 1969 or 1970. I think 1970. She never worked on the books. She's entitled to nothing. That's just the way it is. So, Right away, John Draper is really ripping into me. And I'm saying to myself as I'm watching this, I'm like, why is this guy like really going after me? And he's taking shots at me. And you could see the whole conversation. So, you know, I keep you know, saying to him, like, dude, I, I don't know why you're even bringing this up. What you're saying has absolutely, he's, well, maybe people were forced to do this. I mean, it had absolutely nothing to do with what I was get, talking about. I was talking about a Facebook page. Now I figured it out. Because after he wrote what he wrote, some people, I have a lot of haters. And some people see him really ripping into me and they love it. They're all jerking off in the background. So I see Facebook page, you know, oh, you know, Draper's eating the Don Tony alive. YouTube, bullshit, deleting, ban, blocking, this, whatever. So... I'm like, whatever, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, I, and I'm saying to myself, I don't even know why this guy even showed up on my, on my post in the first place. I'm talking about Bernie supporters on a Facebook page and this guy is going at me hard. And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, this is the lucky 13 get together. And this guy is like eating me like he's like punch, wants to punch me in the face, angry. Go look at the tweet, angry. And I'm saying to myself, what? So now over the last five, six, seven days, I had blocked a lot of people. Some people I blocked, spurred a moment. I changed my mind. I unblocked them. You could see on my page a few people, even on YouTube. You saw last week's YouTube page. People like, oh, DT can't handle, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he blocked me. So I blocked a ton of people. So I was thinking about a good growing up Don Tony story that I wanted to share with everyone. I'll tell you, share it later. 
So, you know, after going through seven days of people finding it funny, saying that I'm rich, my family is rich, and we can't relate to people like this woman who wanted to throw a boss under the bus or this gardener that never worked on the books that feels he's entitled to it. But because my family has something that we have no business criticizing anybody else, that's a social justice opinion. And I totally respect anybody's opinion like that. But don't turn around and make it look like my family is doing something wrong or we can't relate or we have this. We have, Motherfucker, I, going back to 1997, up until three years ago, every expense for all of the shows that I do was paid out of my pocket. All right, I'm always giving back. And I got $12,000 in credit card debt right now. So I ain't got it like that. You know, my father's got a crazy ass mortgage still. My father's retired. He's got to get spinal surgery. So here's my point. So I announced today, I'm going to tell everybody tonight a great growing up Don Tony story. And when I tell the story, it's going to be a big fuck you to anybody who disrespects my family. One thing you do not do, you don't lie to me. You know, everybody lies a little here and there, but really you don't lie to me, continue lying to my face. You don't backstab me and you don't talk about my family. My father, for 11, 12 years growing up, my father, I could tell you, I could remember it as if it was yesterday. My father would get up at five o'clock in the morning. We'd be asleep, but I would hear the footsteps because I was in bed as a kid. My father would get up at five o'clock in the morning. He would leave to go to work. He would come home at around seven o'clock at night. And usually every night, my mother would make him like a, a, a dish of um, escarole or pasta or something like that. He would eat. He'd go upstairs for two, three hours. And then at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, he would go work at a gas station. And he would like get, and he did this for years and years and years. So my father worked his ass off just to, so we could live a comfortable life. My father didn't get paid on the books during that time. My father's social security check right now is less than $1,000 because a lot of work that he did was off the books. He didn't feel that he should be entitled to something that he didn't earn. So anyway, here's the bottom line. When I said I was going to tell this story today, it was pretty much a fuck you to every person over the last week that thought it was cute to find it funny, take shots at my family, take shots at status, that I can't relate to other people. Now, I know John Draper last week was not talking about my parents specifically. He was talking about the overall scope that some people that are desperate like that, you know, you, the people that have it, like look at Arnold Schwarzenegger that was in the jacuzzi. You know, everybody thought, a lot of people thought it was a cute video. I, I thought it was stupid. Here's a rich motherfucker who could be in his jacuzzi 24-7, 365, and what was he going to lose? Some royalties? So I spit on Schwarzenegger, but a lot of other people took what John said and ran with it. So today I was going to tell a story and pretty much tell all those people, fuck you. Learn about my father a little bit before you fucking try to put us in a class that we're not. For some reason today, Draper thinks again that I'm talking about him. And he's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, he's a guy 13 years old that never grew up that, you know, he, he's really pushing it. If somebody shows up at his door and this and that, I'm saying to myself, I ain't even fucking talking about this guy. Now I put it all together because 
there's a tweet that's still up there, and hopefully you didn't delete that one too. Some of you have seen it. And he says, I've been waiting a long time for this. And I'm saying to myself, he's been waiting a long time to have it out with me. Then it all put together. This guy must have thought last week that I was talking about his brother. Even though I said Facebook page, even though I said Bernie supporters, even though I said 10 times I wasn't talking about anybody that we know. But why would this guy, for some reason, just go after me like this? For no reason. I have 11,000 people on Twitter. Only one started hammering me. Do you know why I thought we would be hammering on this? Joey Numbers. Joey Numbers and I are going to have some heated, passionate debates once we know that who the nominee is officially. But I'm saying to myself, okay, I figured it out now. Because I'm going to tell a story today, I'm being ambiguous. Then the, the kicker is, he says to me at the end that I'm very ambiguous in my tweets. And they're too, they're, they could be interpreted different ways. So I have to put a clarification every time I tweet before anybody thinks this is not about Kevin. This is not about John. This is not about this. The fuck out of here. I speak my mind. And I'm not going to put up a disclaimer. Oh, just so everybody knows, I'm not talking about this person. I'm going to just block everybody. All right. So, so the thing is, is, you know, none of what I said was intended towards John. None of what I said was intended towards Kevin. I thought that I, since I wrote, it was a Facebook group and it was Bernie supporters and they were demanding unemployment insurance when they never worked on the books. You would think that would be enough. So somebody say, oh, he's, he's not talking about us. So, no, 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 cassette. I'm not angry at John at all. Misunderstanding. He thought that I was going a place where, where I wasn't. I mean, but this is why I don't like talking about politics anymore. Because I have no idea what goes on in the private lives of Mish, the private lives of Shaheen, the private lives of John, the private lives of Kevin, the private lives of any of you out there. Lee Sanders, I don't know what any of you do privately. And I'm not going to walk on eggshells because I want to speak about a certain class of people that demand something for nothing. And, oh, because this person may actually fit that criteria that, hey, I'm taking shots. That's not how I play. I have too much stuff going on in my life to do that. So with that said, there is no animosity with John at all. I have no anger towards Kevin whatsoever. I am con concentrating on me. Concentrating on getting married, concentrating on paying bills, concentrating on improving this video stuff, concentrating on doing more shows for you, concentrating on a lot of other things. I don't need, I don't get thrills by throwing people under the bus, but I'm always going to speak my mind. I am probably one of the least ambiguous people out there. I have a problem, I'll say it. So anyway, how does this get to Braun? So let me read back what Braun Strowman said. Here, here's his words again, word for word. Here, uh, here, yeah, here we go. Here we go with more to somebody pay for my bill stuff. If you can't afford to pay your bills, maybe you should change professions. That's why I quit Strongman. I loved it, but I couldn't afford to live. So instead of making a GoFundMe or a Patreon, wanting someone else to take care of me, I went out and worked harder than I have in my entire life to get where I am now. He's not the only one that's done that recently. Uh, Baron Corbin has done that too. 
I don't see Baron Corbin stuff as much because I'm blocked from the guy. But here's a couple of things I noticed right away. Number one, I can't remember Braun Strowman ever wrestling for the promotion that Joey Numbers referees for. I don't remember him wrestling in Dick's Steak and Ribs in Texas. I don't remember him wrestling for GCW. I don't remember Baron Corbin wrestling on the Indies either. And maybe they did for a cup of coffee, but I don't remember it. I don't remember, oh, this guy's going to fucking make it one day. So these are guys, and Corbin especially, Corbin has gone on Twitter, show his Ferrari keys. Like, we're supposed to be jealous that he has a fucking Ferrari. Here's a true fact about yours truly, Don Tony. When I got married in 1999. I got my marriage annulled, all right? We got a house. My father bought me and my ex a house. And what happened was somebody got arrested, and they needed to put up money for bail. And my father put the house up as collateral for a mortgage, and then I ended up breaking it off with my ex after a month or two because she flipped out. And I could have lived in the house all by myself. And I said, you know what? No, I'm going to sell it, get a condo, give my father back all the extra money. And the reason why I wanted a condo is because I didn't want that crazy bill over my head. The boat that I had that I sold a year and a half ago was a 1984 Sea Ray. I know a lot of you have seen the pictures of it. I could have got a 94, 2004, 2014. You know why I kept the 84? Because I didn't want that crazy bill over my head. So me, I'm very content living in a small area because I know I don't have crazy ass bills over my head if something goes wrong. And here's Baron Corbin on social media dangling in front of everyone pictures of a Ferrari. I don't give a flying fuck what kind of car he has. I don't even care if it's a Ford GT. I would not want a Ferrari. I don't want that bill. I don't want that expense. You know, people think simply because they have status or they have something that other people want it all the time. I know there's a lot of you out there that are very happy living in a studio, living in a one bedroom, living in a co-op, living in a condo, living in an apartment. You don't need to have that house. You don't think I couldn't, you know, take over my parents' house once they're gone? I can't do that. The taxes in New York are $10,000. I'm not paying that kind of taxes. Soon as my parents are no longer here, which I hope is many decades from now, I'm out of New York. It's too expensive. So you got Corbin and you got Stroman that are basically ripping others because they're asking for help. Now, I understand Corbin saying, look, if you're in a profession that you got no money, you're getting nowhere, maybe it's time to maybe learn a trade. William Regal said the right thing today. For the people at home right now that are out of a job, you know, and are trying to expand their horizons, maybe you learn something else or you study or this is and that. You know, in your home, you know, you want to expand your knowledge or your skills that maybe you can get something else. All right, the problem is, is that Strowman and Corbin look down on you. They look down on me. They look down at indie wrestlers who are asking for assistance, asking for a GoFundMe. And this is the bubble that WWE has. And Strowman, especially now, where people are forced to stay home, 
I know for a fact there is a boatload of you out there that are watching this right now that feel healthy and feel, I could go to work. I'll just work by myself. I'll work in my office. I don't need to be around people. Why am I being forced to stay home? Why I have bills to pay. All right. Very easy when you have the WWE contract and a Ferrari and everything else to basically look look at everybody else as inferior. And Braun Strowman really surprises me because you know he's got the hunting background. He looks like a guy to be content living in a cabin in the country. And they have this discontent with people on the indie circuit that live paycheck to paycheck. That's the way it is. You know, when you see some wrestlers, I don't want to name any names, but some in NXT, you see some wrestlers in NXT that basically, and by the way, I am paying attention to what everybody is, is writing, you know, so I may not be shouting out individual names, but my content is going in the direction based on what you guys are talking about. So if everybody watches this on, on the recap, you'll see my comments are pretty much piggybacking what you're all saying. And I have the latency on ultra low right now. And cool, we have not had any problems. But the thing with Strowman is that there's a couple of wrestlers in NXT without naming names who have done interviews. And sure, they're going to say certain things because they're under the WWE banner. But you see a lot of them over and over again saying, my ultimate goal is to come WWE. My ultimate goal is WWE. My ultimate goal. And you have some of these people who came in on their areas and you say to yourself, this person was never looking to go to WWE. And it's that. But deep down inside, that is the security. Not everybody can be Matt Hardy, where he can choose where he wants to work. Matt Hardy could have stood with WWE, worked as a producer, possibly made more money than he's making now in AEW, but Matt Hardy still loves to perform. He doesn't have many years left to perform. Do you remember what I said a couple of weeks ago? That if Matt, and I know a lot of you remember this, if Matt Hardy signs with AEW, Two weeks. Remember what I said? Two weeks. After two weeks, you will have fans saying, WWE, you fucking nuts to let this guy go? You know, I understand Matt Hardy has not headlined a WrestleMania, even though he's had some main event quality matches. I know Luke Harper, Brody Lee, has not headlined a WrestleMania. But when you see the extension of their characters. When you see how multi, how diverse they could be with their personas. And then you see WWE. This is, if you remember my conversation about a month ago about the food chain, they had, WWE has three, it feels like three classes of wrestlers. Main event, you know, below, right below main event and mid card. And the problem with WWE right now is the gap between mid card and you know, semi-main event is so stark that they just spend so much time on a small group of people that they won't even give the time for Matt Hardy to develop this bro broken cat. Two weeks, you're going to see more Matt Hardy doing stuff that you're like, why the fuck couldn't WWE do this in WWE? Even Bray Wyatt. You see what they're trying to pull off now? Um... They're trying to do the storyline now that when Bray Wyatt lost to Cena at Mania six years ago, 
that the Fiend character was born. Now, although that's cute and everything with a storyline, when you actually think about Bray Wyatt for those four years after, you know, the match with Cena, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. There's a lot of wrestlers out there that want to help their fellow wrestler. Unfortunately, the gap between WWE and everyone else and AEW is now given more opportunity. It is huge. And a lot of wrestlers are working paycheck to paycheck, as do a lot of you out there. Unfortunately, for a lot of people listening, you don't have T-shirts with your name or likeness on it that you could get people to buy it. You know, not all of you out there have some type of form of public entertainment on YouTube or something else where people could contribute to it. Me, it's very difficult because if I send money to one GoFundMe, I get hit with this, 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 and this. And then you got to start choosing, do I do this? Do I do that? So it's a very, very hard situation to be in. What Braun Strowman did especially, there's no defense for it. Even though Braun Strowman, the only point that Braun Strowman makes is, look, if you're in wrestling for a long time, you ain't making no money, maybe you should consider a different profession. And he's probably right with that. But you don't fucking do it in the middle of the coronavirus where millions and millions and millions of people are forced to stay home that live paycheck to paycheck. Braun Strowman was not just talking about wrestlers. Braun Strowman was talking about people in general. Because if a wrestler is in a profession where they make no money, tell me what's the difference if that is a musician that is in a profession that makes no money. Tell me what's the difference if that person is a comedian in a profession that makes no money. Tell me what's the difference if that person works off the books in a gas station for 20 years and makes very little money. What if it's somebody who works for an auto mechanic for X amount of years and is now 55 years old and makes very little money? What are you going to say to somebody now in the middle of coronavirus? Oh, well, you know, you're an auto mechanic for 30 years. You ain't making no money. Maybe you should learn a different trade. Yeah, that's probably true. But coming from him, this is what he pretty much was given everybody. And it's just very disrespectful because you can't just single out wrestling because there's Patreons for everything. And here's where Braun Strowman misses the boat entirely. Patron, like the one that I have that Soup has, we give extra in return for people who contribute for our stuff. I've said this more than once. And Mish knows. I told him recently. He knows it too. If our Patron was not in existence right now, one of two things would be going on with the other shows. Either they'd all be subscription-based, and we probably would have lost 90% of our audience, or there would be no more shows. Plain and simple. When I say that they truly are the reason why a lot of the shows are still going, because the expense is astronomical, and unfortunately, we don't have that extra stream of revenue You know that we could put money towards this and money towards that. So uh, everybody that's on Patreon, whether it's me who's a nobody or Vince Russo is a somebody or if it's soup or if it's fucking Conan or anybody else, people are giving you something in return. It's not like people are on Patreon and saying, hey, give me money. I need it. 
and they do nothing. So, you know, it's it, it just, I saw that by Strowman, and I really wanted to be careful about it because I really want to like the guy, and I think genuinely he has a really good heart, but the guy really needs to shut the fuck up. He cannot relate to us. Baron Corbin cannot relate to us. I don't give a shit if one day Baron Corbin says that 20 years ago he was eating, um, you know, cans of tuna fish and, you know, dehydrated oatmeal and he couldn't afford anything else and blah, 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 blah. If that's true, it's even more of a fuck you from him because he knows where he came from and he still decided to put everybody down. So these guys, seriously... I know WWE, in my opinion, and look, I swear to you, this is going to be controversial, and I don't give a shit, but I'm going to say it. Big E is one of the most entertaining guys out there, no question. Maybe I just looked at it wrong, but please, everybody that's tuning in live right now, please let me know if I'm right what I'm about to say or if I just totally misread it and shame on me for doing so. And believe me, I swear on my mother, I was not planning on bringing up Big E tonight, but he posted a video. He was in Florida, and he's dancing. Any of you out there see it? And he's doing like this, and it looks like he's got a giant erection in his pants. And he's going like this, and this, and this, and he's gyrating. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Was that video supposed to be about his penis? I'm I'm asking everybody live right now if you saw that video. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious, but I'm 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 you know the even though I have this ultra low latency on, it's still like three to five seconds of latency. But okay. And, and look, for everybody out there, I really appreciate what you're saying to me, all the kind words right now. And the reason why I think so many people are saying what I'm saying is 1,000% spot on is because Don Tony has not been talking to you for the last half hour, 45 minutes. You know, Anthony de Blasi has. And you take shows and put it aside. You take family, bullshit, this, this, and that. This is, and this is why I wanted to do video more than anything else. Because I think there's so many people out there trying to be characters, trying to do a certain thing. And it's very rare that you get anybody that is just giving you straight up convo, like we're just talking to each other. All right. So now, okay. Shezzy says, yes, that's what he was doing. All right. A few other people are saying it as well. It was hilarious. It was funny as shit. If somebody wants to put the link, by all means, do so. But here's my point. Biggie is, I think, easy to say when you're throwing pancakes and when you have the colorful outfits and positivity and everything like that, you know, kind of like targets more of a younger audience. That's safe to say. And Biggie, I think, in- intentionally, this is my perception. I could be wrong. My perception is that Biggie, although his character in the New Day is for a more younger audience, that he goes on Twitter and really tries to push the envelope 
about sexuality and everything else. And he has every right to do so. And a lot of what he does is funny as fuck. I'm not taking that away from him. But when I see Braun Strowman saying what he's saying, I see Corbin saying what he's saying. When I see Big E fucking gyrating his dick, you know, to everybody. And this is not the only video. And look, Big E is beloved. And I fucking think the guy is awesome too. But... It just feels like WWE has really lost that grasp on their employees, not forcing them to not say stuff of this and that, but what kind of atmosphere does WWE have right now that a guy that is really like almost like targeted as a role model to younger fans out there and is on Twitter doing what he's doing? Braun Strowman, who won a fucking title with a four-year-old, is fucking saying this shit that he's saying online. Like, I just don't understand. And you see more people. You see some people saying some outrageous stuff online. And it just feels like WWE just has given up control. If Unless you fail a drug test or you do something really outrageous, it's like, it just feels like there's no control over there. I don't know if you feel that way. And me, I have no complaints. I'm an older guy. I think this shit is funny. But when I see over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, you've noticed this for the last two years. I've pointed it out to everybody. You see all of these wrestlers in WWE, male and female, that go after Twitter accounts that troll them. And most of these Twitter accounts they go after have 10 followers, three followers, no face, no picture, no profile, no nothing. Even Braun Strowman, I'll segue into this, had a little back and forth with Lance Archer over the weekend. Braun Strowman again, I think he just totally screwed up here as well. Somebody took the video from AEW Dynamite of Lance Archer, and they did that segment where he was in the backyard beating up everybody. Somebody went on social media, and, and I, I want to pull it in front of me so I could read it to you word for word. Somebody wrote on Twitter. Now, I'm going to be very careful about this because I want you to really think about it. And if you disagree with me, please do so. But I think 99.9% .9 of the people out there will agree with me. I think the only person who will disagree with me is Braun Strowman. The video of Lance Archer from Dynamite beating the fuck out of everybody in the backyard. Some person on Twitter uh, called Braun Strowman, uh, included him or hashtagged him and said, this is what, this is word for word. He says, this is what Braun Strowman should have been. You look like a true beast. All this fan said was that Lance Archer looks like a true beast and this is what Braun Strowman should have been. Guy wasn't ripping on Braun Strowman. Guy wasn't ripping on Braun Strowman personally. My interpretation was, this is what WWE should have done with Braun Strowman. You see what the vignette was for Lance Archer, and this is a fan saying, this is what Braun Strowman should have been. It's not a rip or a knock on Braun Strowman that he did anything wrong. He, This person feels that Braun Strowman should have been an unstoppable monster, and it's for a while he was, just people forgot about it. So what does Braun Strowman do? He responds to this fan and he says, great value brand version of me. Good joke. Now, for those that don't know what great value brand means, 
That's the generic brand in Walmart. So basically, Braun Strowman's retaliation to this fan was, oh, good job. This is, You're talking about a Walmart generic ripoff. That's, that's what Braun Strowman's response was. So Lance Archer speaks up and says to Braun Strowman, he says, great value, you say? Hmm, great, yep, valuable, yep, experienced, yep, agile, yep, interesting, yep, personality, yep. Yeah, you could say um, damn good value. So thanks, kid. And he said that because Braun Strowman is five or six years younger than Lance Archer. Braun Strowman's response to Lance Archer, anytime, old man. And then Braun Strowman goes on to call the, the, the tweeter a geek with no profile picture. If you don't want to pay attention with somebody no profile picture, then why did you call this fan out in the first place? You see a lot of wrestlers who will single out trolls. There have been trolls since the beginning of time. I think Jesus Christ had trolls. I mean, I remember in the 70s and the 80s, I mean, even the fight, you want to go further back, you know, it's an extreme with Jackie Robinson, but athletes, movie stars, musicians, politicians have always received hate mail for decades and decades and decades. Twitter is another form of mail. And instead of ignoring the trolls, they look, and I thought at some times that some of these people were like wanting trolls, wanting, you know, somebody to, to go at. And again, like I look at Mustafa Ali, God bless that guy for doing what he's doing with Illinois. He lets some trolls really get to him and, you know, always brings up, you know, his heritage. Yet I see people of the same heritage in pro wrestling and they never, ever talk about their heritage. They get a troll, they ignore them. Or they show that troll up by just being successful. Like, if you look at other people similar to Mustafa Ali, like, why does Mustafa Ali focus on his heritage 10 times more than others when it comes to trolls? Yeah, he's a role model. Yes, he's got a bigger profile. And yes, he's an inspiration for young fans out there but you're never going to get rid of these trolls. You give them attention, you're just giving them play. So anyway, so that's what was the deal with Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin. And a little bit about what happened with me. At the end of the day, some people are forced to work jobs that they had no choice to do. Welcome to my dad, 1970, 71, 72, 73, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 80, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 88, 9, 89, 90, and so on. Maybe three jobs until 1985. Think my father wanted to work at 4 o'clock in the morning in a gas station? Think he wanted to work 18-hour days? Sometimes you work a profession because that's the only form of revenue. But for Braun Strowman... To say what he said at this particular time, absolutely disrespectful. Absolutely disrespectful. And here's the thing that nobody thought about. I made a mistake earlier. 
I thought this was a reporter that posted what Braun Strowman said. And some of you were kind enough to correct me and say, no, 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 that's Braun Strowman's real name. Because I don't think about Braun Strowman's real name all that much. Adam Schur, I guess that's his name. Take note that he didn't write that on the WWE Braun Strowman account. He wrote it on his personal account. So the fact that he's writing this on his personal account shows you even more of a reason why that's how they feel. And that's disgusting. And what's sad about it too is you can't even apologize for that because that was a pretty drawn out that they look down on people who have GoFundMes. They look down on people who have, uh, I mean, I would love his feelings on Mustafa Ali paying that Illinois Indie Fed for, you know, because they couldn't have shows. You know what's going to happen one day, everybody? Something that I said about Ric Flair, but Ric Flair is a little bit different. May not be five years from now, may not be 10 years from now, may not be 20 years from now. Maybe it is. But there's going to come a time where Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin are going to have next to nothing. There's, there's a possibility. Or they're not going to be able to wrestle anymore. Or they're not going to be able to do what they have loved to do. And they're going to be out of work. And they're going to start having issues. And the day that Braun Strowman or Baron Corbin loses his Ferrari, may lose his house, may have health problems, can't afford the health insurance deductible, this, this, and that. When those people have nothing and have no one to turn to, where do you think they're going to go? They're going to go on GoFundMe. They're going to go on Patreon. And now you go back to what I said earlier about Moxley under, you know, low-key about it, helping a lot of people out there. Jericho, low-key about it, helping a lot of people out there. You know, because, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to help others. You got to worry about yourself first, obviously. Now, don't get me wrong, and I've said this too, and you all know this as well. There are some people out there who are lazy. There are some people out there who will claim that they work their ass off and do nothing. There are some people out there who claim that they work 18 hours a day. Somehow they could tweet for 17 of them. And there's some people out there who absolutely will not work the second job. There are some people out there that absolutely will not work a job that is physical labor. And they would rather either tell everybody, look, I need money. Or they will post pictures of something and say, oh my God, you know, I need this for this. And and it gets fucked up because there's some people that really truly need the help. And sometimes you can't differentiate. I talked about that couple. I can't remember the names right now, but that young couple, you, you guys have heard me talk about them before that they wanted to tour the world. And they just told everybody on GoFundMe. They said, look, everybody, we don't want to work. We want everybody to pay for our trip. And motherfucker, tons of people paid for their trip. You know what I mean? Come on, man. Seriously. Come on, man. And I know some of you out there know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it, it's fucked up. In my opinion, Baron Corbin should shut up and go hunting. Uh, excuse me. Braun Strowman should shut up and go hunting. Baron Corbin should just shut up and fucking go on a highway and drive for 12 hours. 
And they're not the only ones doing this. They just happen to be the most vocal. And again, I find it interesting that neither one of them ever really worked on the indie circuit. Oh, wait until they get released from WWE and nobody wants them. Braun Strowman would be in demand, I think, obviously. Baron Corbin, though, I don't know, man. Baron Corbin... You know, I, I don't like him, and he has improved, but I think if he was released from WWE, yeah, go try to fucking wear that crown in an indie show, and you see how many bookings you get. You know, there's going to come a dime, time where that money's going to go away, and I can't wait to see what these people, how they try to, to hustle their money. So, But look, I took my time talking about it, because, you know, we didn't have too much to talk about today, obviously. Um, SmackDown, just a couple of things very quickly. I talked about the women's match. The women, the women. I talked about, you know, the WrestleMania match with Bayley. Look, that whole match is designed not because Naomi has a shot. And she may win the belt. Who knows? It's not because Dana Brooke has a shot or even Lacey Evans. That match is designed to tease the dissension between Bayley and Sasha Banks. They'll probably um, be a cohesive unit early on, not necessarily facing each other, or maybe they'll just chain wrestle this and that. And then there'll be something where they'll start slapping each other and blah, 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 blah. And here's where it sucks. Here's where it sucks tremendously. And this is why I fucking hate this match. I want you guys and gals to think about a match from yesteryear, a tag team. Let's focus on a tag team where... Two of the same tag team members end up in a gauntlet match, the Royal Rumble match or something, and they start facing off against each other. And maybe in the beginning, they're just, you know, being nice to each other, no cheap shots, no nothing. Then it ends up getting fisticuffs. So what happens? Crowd then takes sides. Who's cheering for who? Could the crowd start re-proclaiming their love for Bailey. Would they get behind Sasha Banks? You're doing it in a fucking empty arena. Sasha Banks and Bailey are going to have that little bit of dissension and there ain't no crowd reaction to feed off of. And that's why it sucks. It absolutely sucks. I don't like that match at all. I, I'm just not happy with it. Anyway. Also on SmackDown today, we had Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak beating Shinsuke and Cesaro. Sami Zayn was on commentary. Didn't do a bad job. Um, you know, you had Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak winning. I liked them as a tag team. Um, a lot of you out there, including me, thought that they would be a great tag team. So now they're doing this deal next week that if Drew Gulak wins his match, then Daniel Bryan gets a shot for the title against Shinsuke at WrestleMania. If I recall, I think that that was the plan. Uh, personally, I, I don't mind seeing Shinsuke, uh, not Shinsuke, Sami Zayn, excuse me, my apologies. Sami Zayn against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Now, you know, Zayn and Daniel Bryan will tear it up. May even have the best match of whichever night that they're on. But again, no crowd to be there. No, this is awesome chance. I mean, it's just not going to feel the same. And if Drew Gulak wins the match, then why doesn't Drew Gulak get the title shot? In my opinion. So, but still, you know, that's not a bad match to look forward to. We'll see where it goes. Um, other than that, the other match in the night, 
Miz and Morrison versus Heavy Machinery. If Heavy Machinery get the win, they get a title shot at WrestleMania. That's pretty much what they were hinting. Dolph Ziggler comes out showing pictures of him with... uh, I don't even know how to explain this. You know, him and Mandy Rose. If you look at those photos again, and I don't have them in front of me, but... When I saw the photo of them, like, walking, like, in a park, like, there's no, it looks like a voyeur picture. Like, they could have been just in a group photo. So, it almost feels like the storyline could be manipulated where Dolph Ziggler is trying to portray something that isn't. But the sad thing about it is, is that now Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville are totally disappeared because they're not at the performance center. And the storyline has a whole lot of holes in it. So what ends up happening? We get a disqualification. Otis snaps, blah, 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 blah. Now I go back to what I said February 14th, that if I was Tucker right now, I'd be fucking pissed off that, again, Lose a title shot. Now, yes, Tucker got pinned at Elimination Chamber. But, you know, the, where does this leave Mania now? Is it going to be Otis versus Dolph Ziggler? Is it going to be Heavy Machinery versus Ziggler and Rude? Doesn't feel like WrestleMania. Just does not feel like WrestleMania. I talked about this last week. I don't understand why WWE did not consider maybe having WrestleMania during SummerSlam weekend. I understand SummerSlam is already big and you got the payday and this, this, and that. But my God, they could have had three kick-ass Raws, SmackDowns, and NXTs for the next three weeks airing this stuff during Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. No NXT takeover? No problem. We'll record the matches. We'll air them across two NXTs. Go head-to-head with AEW? Why not? I mean, you're offering the WWE Network for free. New subscribers, free. So why not wait until the summer where you could have the extravaganza and you do it SummerSlam weekend? Just think how great. If these matches are good, you be prepared. Be prepared. And you know that I am rarely wrong. Be prepared for a lot of matches at Mania to end like that. Expect, my guess, at least four matches where they are less than four minutes long. You will have clusterfuck finishes. That's why they're doing it across two days. You're going to have, don't be surprised if there's like 16 matches You spread that across two days, they start recording it. I wouldn't be surprised if stuff was recorded today or tomorrow for WrestleMania weekend. You don't have the trolls that are leaking shit. Do not be surprised if you hear that some of this stuff is being taped this weekend. But think about that. The way Raw, SmackDown, and NXT came off the last week, just imagine that instead of having WrestleMania, you took those pre-recorded matches and you aired them on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT instead. Come on, man. Is it that hard? And you know what's even more ridiculous about it? You know for a fact that some of that footage will be replayed the next week on those channels. So, 
Come on, man. Uh, let's see what else is going on. I'm just checking my news over here. No, nah, it's really pretty much it. That's all I had as far as news goes. Um, Got to drink a little water. You guys have any quick questions you want to ask me? You still want me to tell that growing up Don Tony story about my father? Just, to, you know, like I said, there's a couple of seconds latency. I have it on ultra low. So how's the video and the audio been tonight? So far, everything's good. Because I, like I said, I changed one cable. I can't change the other one till tomorrow. I don't have my speaker on right now. I can only look at a, a monitor. So uh, I can see the level going up. So I know you can actually hear it. But where is Enzo right now? He's probably home. I love doing that one. People say to me, oh, where is blah, 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 blah. And I know what they mean. They want to know, like, what's the person up to? Where's the person wrestling this and that? And I usually say, oh, they're home. They're in bed. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Where do you think he is? That's what I like to do. I just joke around. I'm just fine. Enzo, look, right now, what can he do? Even if he had bookings, they, you, you, a lot of people are forced to stay home. Got to make the best of it, man. Uh, Rojo Bear, Blood and Guts has been postponed. Wow. Wow. You know what? That's fine. I mean, what did I say last Monday? And I'm not saying this like, hey, DT, you were right. What did I say last Monday? That this is a time for AEW to look back at the last six months, show us the best, especially that fans are not happy with what they saw in NXT last week. Introduce fans, reintroduce fans of what AEW is about. Maybe you do some segments, little interview, extended segments, and some of the other wrestlers, Marco Stunt and others. Let people see a little dimension, a little bit extra about Darby Allen and others. Maybe they could try to do that this week. I don't think anybody would have a problem as long as they advertise it that way. Um, I think blood and guts being postponed is the right way to go. Obviously, what happened... Well, look, this is just breaking. I want to thank you for sending that over. A couple of things could have happened. Number one, um, every day things are changing with this coronavirus. Two days ago, it was 50% of essential workers in New York needed to stay home. Yesterday, it was 75%. This weekend, it's 100%. So unless you're an essential worker, and look, I'm not going to get into the whole list right now, but my profession is considered an essential worker, which is kind of cool, but at the same time, it sucks. But either, either with things changing in Florida, they probably cannot get it done in time. Another thing could be is that producing this is much more difficult than what they originally planned. Could also be some transportation issues for some of the wrestlers. Um, or it just did not come off well. AEW loses no credibility. AEW loses deserves zero criticism because this was postponed. Maybe they were forced to postpone it. I don't know. But this goes back to what I said last week. There would have been nothing wrong with WWE telling everybody 
that because of what's going on right now, unfortunately, we cannot do that. We we either do it to the fullest of our capabilities to the to the to the largest extent, or we don't do it at all. So you give people a year in review, a best of. There's so much shit going on in the studio. There's so many things that they can do. My God. They had that whole documentary about FCW, you had this, you have that. There's so many things that they could have given. But instead, they insisted on trying to come off as business as usual. And, you know, it came off really, really lackluster. So AEW loses nothing by postponing this. And I guarantee you a lot of fans would say, look, either you do it right and you do it to the maximum or you don't do it at all. You know, why would anybody want a half-assed job? I mean, you know, I, I get, you know, oh, because of the what's going on in this world, you know, we need pro wrestling to fill this and that, and that that's fine. But do you really, it's, you know, you know, it almost feels like, and this is horrible for me to say, but I think people understand what I mean by it. It's almost like somebody who has a crutch or an addiction to something and they run out of that, item and they're desperately trying to find out get something as a replacement even if it's just a tiny little hit and instead of waiting for you know your guy your connection to give you the the goods or you know you wait no 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 i need my head i need my hand yeah so you get this generic half-assed you know it's almost like you know the hand sanitizer on ebay you know, you got this no frills crap coming out of Japan that is mostly water that looks like semen that gets ranked a half a star on Amazon and people are paying 50 bucks for it because they want that hand sanitizer so bad that they'll fucking, they don't care what brand it is. They don't care what, what it looks like, if it works or not, you just need it. And as far as pro wrestling, entertainment, WrestleMania, why would you want this? Treat it like Christmas or New Year's when you have one or two weeks where you don't have wrestling. I talked about this before. Back in the day, they didn't do a live show or pre-record two weeks in advance. We'd have a year in review. I remember Nitro, year in review. Sure, the ratings were not as good, but nobody ever said, uh, Nitro is done. They did a best in review. They're done. Raw did a year in review. They're finished. They're Oh, it's over. Why even do that? You Everybody talks about wrestling should have an off-season. Well, isn't this the fucking perfect time that wrestlers could go home, recharge their batteries? What happens when they get injured? I mean, and they don't get paid the level of what they get paid now. Pretend that everybody tore their hamstring and they can't wrestle for three or four weeks. You know, for WWE wrestlers, hopefully they have some money set aside. Unfortunately, in the real world, not everybody could go home and act like they tore the hamstring and couldn't work for a couple of weeks. So, um, Joe's asking me when this is all said and done, if and when Mania goes off over uh, like a like a hit turd, is this the end of Vince? No. Everybody acts like Vince's company's only worth forty nine cents right now. It's still worth hundreds of millions of dollars. It's not the end of the world, but there has been a steady decline in WWE and it's starting to catch up to them. The coronavirus, obviously, you know, it's killing them, but they were down $60 a share before there was any virus. 
WWE, unfortunately, is so worried about their stockholders. They're so worried about being family entertainment. They're so worried about being, you know, on the right side of history as far as you know, they don't want to be looked back on like the parent teacher council and they don't want to be looked at as smutty and this, this and that they're so concerned about all of that. And meanwhile, AEW again, AEW is not on the level of WWE, but AEW is like, look, we're just going to entertain everybody. Yesterday I was watching TBS. I was watching an episode. I think a family guy. And during the episode of family guy, it was like a four, three or four minute almost felt like an infomercial of AEW. And, you know, a lot of it was older footage. You know, it was when they first started. But it was like three or four minutes long, and this was live, and I was like, wow, this is pretty fucking cool. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, when was the last time I really heard USA Network really putting over an episode of NXT? You know, I know right before it starts, you'll hear Mauro Ranallo, coming up on NXT! <laughs> you know, it's just, you could feel that energy in AEW, that they really are trying to be big-time family-friendly. Family and you know what AEW is showing? You could be TV 14 and not have loads and loads of groups trying to shut you down. Think about that. You don't hear any crazy organizations trying to shut them down because they're TV 14. Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah said dick. Oh, man. Let's see. All right. A lot of you have been asking me for the growing up Don Tony story. All right. I need to preface this. I'll do this once. I need to preface this. As I said earlier, I have no angst against Draper or anybody else. He totally misunderstood what I said last week. I, in my opinion, feel out of 11,000 followers on Twitter, the only person to get angry at what I said was him. And the second person who I hijacked the same thread to say, what's this all about, was his brother. Out of 11,000 Twitter followers, him and his brother, and Facebook page, group, Bernie supporters, unemployment. Why would they take it so personal? So, all right, I get it, you know. But don't try to be, oh, well, you talk double face a lot. You're ambiguous. So I have to put a disclaimer every time I say something. Mm -mm. But I could understand. I totally understand why they would think something else. And I know some of you listening or watching would, would say that too. This case, I'm not guilty. Not guilty. But for everybody else that try to have fun with my family, let me tell you growing up Don Tony story. Hopefully this doesn't upset a lot of people out there. This is 1,000% legit. All right. My father came to the United States when he was about two weeks old, 19, uh, 1949. He actually was born Christmas Day, 1948. His official birthday is January 6th, 1949. He actually came here, yeah, two weeks, about two weeks. My father was born in Italy, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Came to America in the, through New York on January 6th. New York made his birthday officially January 6th. So we celebrate January 6th. Uh, Messenger of death, Kevin didn't do anything. 
So it's not even anything controversial. I was talking about Bernie supporters last week, and I think him and his brother thought I was talking about them. Best way I could put it, but yeah, here's a grown-up Don Tony star I leave everybody with. This is why I always say, anybody out there that disrespects my family, I don't give a, who, give a shit who it is. Immediate block, totally written off, friends, podcasters, anybody. My family you do not talk about. So anyway, my father came here January 6th, 1949. My, my grandmother, his mother, stood in Italy. Now, keep in mind, this is 1940s, 1950s. Now, hopefully a lot of you out there know about Bruno San Martino's story about being in Italy, being in the mountains and everything. That was a normal occurrence way back in the day. So anyway, get to the meat and potatoes of this. My father came to America. He came with my grandfather, God rest his soul. And he came with one of his brothers also. My father had two brothers and one sister. One brother is deceased. The other one has got stage four lung cancer. My aunt is still around doing well. So my father came to America with my grandfather. My grandmother stood back in Italy. They could not afford to all come to America. My grandfather came here with like $5 in his pocket. My grandfather started working for produce markets, trying to get any money he possibly can. And this was 1950, 1951. Whatever money he could send back to Italy, he would send it to my grandmother. So now we fast forward to around 1957. And my father went back to Italy with my uncle. My father was nine years old. My uncle was 11. And... Johnny Social, you're going to have to play back the show. I talked about the story earlier. But anyway, my father was now nine years old. My uncle was 11. And my grandmother, she had by now come to America, come to New York. They lived in Ridgewood in Brooklyn. And um, they still had property, still had land in Italy. What happened was the cost of living in New York was so expensive. And because my grandfather did not come here with an education, my father was still, you know, under 10 years old. My uncle was 11. My other uncle was 13. My 13 year old uncle stood here in New York. My grandfather stood here in New York. My father and my uncle went back to Italy. I'm not going to say the town that they lived in in Italy, but they were very poor. And my grandmother had virtually no money. She was basically living on whatever my grandfather would send over. And my father and my uncle had to go back there and stay there because my grandfather just could not support um, two brothers and a sister at the same time. So my father's back in Italy. And this is Christmas Eve, 1957. And my grandmother had virtually nothing to eat. And it was Christmas Eve. They had a mule. They had, they lived in the mountains and they would have to travel for hours and hours by foot 
to get to like a market to buy fruit, to buy bread, to buy whatever they could buy. If you've paid attention to the Bruno story, my my grandparents and my father, it's, it's a very similar story. You, I don't, all right, Miguel thinks it's boring. Well, trust me, here's where it picks up, all right? My father goes back to Italy, and it's Christmas Eve, 1957, and my grandmother has nothing, very little. Meanwhile, I had relatives that lived in a town over. Obviously, I wasn't alive at this time, so I found this all out later. But I had relatives that lived in a town over that had a lot, they had food on the table, they had meat, they had sheep, cows, they had all different animals, dogs, everything, they had a farm, and they gave nothing to my grandmother. My grandmother had virtually nothing on the table, and my uncle and my father, nine years old and 11 years old, my uncle tells my father, look, let's take a walk over to the barn. So my father's just following along, and this was nighttime, and they get over to the barn, and my uncle takes the mule, and they decide they're going to walk to the other town to my cousin's farm and everything, and my uncle tells my father that they're going to grab a sheep. They're going to bring it to my grandmother. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old that are poor, living in the mountains in 1957, and my uncle's got this mentality that they've eaten lamb, let's get a live sheep. It's almost like that episode of Family Guy when they had uh, Bill Clinton and uh, Peter, and he's like, let's grab the pig. And he's like, hee You know, he's like, oh, we can have pig. It's almost the same mentality. So my father's just following my uncle, and they're kids, and they grab the mule, and they walk to the next town over to my cousin's land. And there's a dog on the land that's barking and barking and barking, and they didn't walk right up, but they were walking around, they were making some noise and to, to have the dog bark to see if anybody would come out. Nobody came out. So my uncle and my father realized that nobody was home. So my father, up to this point, is thinking that they're going to take a sheep and bring it back to my grandmother. I don't. I never asked my father what they thought they were actually going to do with it or everything, but they go in the barn, they take out this big rope and everything that they had tied around the seat for the mule, and they grab one of the sheep, and they're trying to tie up the sheep alive, and they're they realize they're only nine and 11 years old. They can't carry the sheep all of this time play, you know, to go back to the other town. So they're figuring out how, what are we, how are we going to bring this sheep back? They can't carry it. They couldn't get it on the mule. They tried to tie it up. So again, if, if you don't like stories about hunting, disconnect now, do not listen to the rest of this. I'm telling you a story from 1957. And there's a reason why I'm telling you this story. So anyway, um, my uncle takes out a knife and my uncle kills the sheep. And my uncle is thinking that they're going to basically take, just like fishing, you kill a fish, you cut it down and you take the meat 
even if you're deer hunting. I know a lot of you out there don't like to hunt. I don't like to hunt. I've never hunted in my life. I've gone fishing. I'm not comfortable fishing. But again, this is 1957, an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old, Christmas Eve, trying to figure out how to get food for my grandmother. So they, my uncle kills this sheep and cuts it down so they could carry it. Now, just think of the mentality of an 11-year-old coming up with this. My uncle says, we can't bring this sheep back because the blood is going to leave a trail. And it's going to leave the trail all the way back to the house. So they don't know what to do. So now they, they were going to just leave the sheep there and just go back. So my uncle decides that he's going to walk around in a circle over and over and over again. And as he's doing this, the sheep is letting out all the blood and all its inside and everything like that. So after about an hour, the sheep is no longer bleeding. And the re and again, this is eleven year old thinking of this. He's thinking, walk in a circle. This way, if they look for the trail for the blood, they only see a circle. And they kept doing this until there was no blood left. When there was finally no blood left, they put took the sheep and the mule. They walked back to the town. And my grandma, my grandmother, she saw them coming, and she sees this piece of meat. And she's like, Kifa, what did, was this? What is this? And my, my uncle and my father said, this is Christmas dinner. And my grandmother started crying like a baby because my grandmother realized what they did. But at the same time, she's kissing them and hugging them because she realized they were poor. They had nothing. And their mentality was that they needed to eat. They went and got a sheep. They, 11-year-old thinking, because a lot of them were used for food. We're talking the mountains. Again, do not think of this as 2020. Think of the mountains in Italy in wartime in 1957. And you got communists and all this other shit going on. That's what people had to do. So the point is, is that they did all this because my grandmother had nothing. My cousins that lived in the next town over had sheep, cows, a farm, vegetables, produce, meats, gave my grandmother nothing. My father said that haunted him for the rest of his life because he never saw anything like that happen before to an animal. And my father said, even when they, he would work in the butcher from, for the deli, he would always have flashbacks at that as a kid. But the point is, is that my father vowed that my grandmother would never starve like that again. So they weren't going to be hacking up sheep. After that, my father, as he got older, my father never graduated high school. My father to this day doesn't even know how to read all that well. Sometimes he'll say to me, Anthony, read this to me. My father's mentality was, I got to work. If it takes three jobs, I have to work three jobs to make the bills. So that's, that's the story that I wanted to tell. You know, not everybody, you think everybody's born into some type of wealth or something like that, but they don't understand all of the blood and the sweat and the hard work and everything that leads up to it. And, and, things you go through through your lifetime. My father, I told this story about, you know, 1987, 88. 
I, for, I'll leave you with this. And I'll t- tell you one more story and then we'll go. My father's got a deli, still owns it to this day. 1987, 1988, some guy, I was working for my father at the time. I was there. Some guy walks in from the New York Daily News, tells my father that my father's doing a wonderful job with his business. Everybody in the neighborhood loves my father. He's been open now for about five years, and he wanted to do a story about my father's store. So he interviews my father. My father talks about how he never graduated high school, never did this, and, you know, worked three different jobs and this and that. And my father felt so honored that, you know, he did everything the right way. And he, they interviewed me. They interviewed my brother, a couple of coworkers about the store and this and that. And the guy tells my father that not this Sunday's Daily News, but the following Sunday, they're going to be featured. So then my father is ordering 200 extra copies in a newspaper He's planning on what size frame to put it in, wanted to put it on the door. My father came with nothing. My father, at nine years old, watched my uncle hack up a sheep because in their mentality, look, mommy, we got dinner for Christmas. That's mentality at the time. So my father is honored. And for 10 days, we're excited. Oh my God, my father's going to be featured. You know, all the hard work pays off and blah, 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 blah. So my father orders like two extra, hundred extra copies of the Daily News. What he was going to do with all of them, I have no idea. That Sunday paper comes, no story. Just look at the look on my father's face. And we were like, oh, maybe it's the following week. Then I don't remember who it was. They asked my father, like, you have his card? You know, what was his name? My father only knew the guy's first name, but the guy didn't leave a card. Next Sunday comes, he orders 200 more copies, thinking that it was the following Sunday. He just got the date wrong. No article. It ends up that the guy that was there was FBI, trying to find out if my father was working for the mob. My father was so devastated that all of the years of killing his body and he was getting some acknowledgement for it, and it ended up that some motherfucker just like tricked him to try to get information and try to see if anything was going on, and it was the fucking uh, the FBI. My father never was part of the mob. My father used to give the mob like catering and stuff. There's that infamous photo of me in the New York Daily News holding up a six-foot hero, delivering it when John Gotti got acquitted like the second or third time. And I remember getting that newspaper. I have the picture somewhere. I'll post it for everybody. But I remember getting the newspaper and showing all my friends. And I'm like, everybody, look, I'm, I'm in the Daily News. Look, look, look. And I'm showing them. And I remember my, my best friend at the time looking at me and saying, you're fucking proud of that? That guy's a fucking gangster. That guy's killed a lot of people. You're proud of that? Totally blew me away that people thought it was disgusting. But my father always did everything the right way. So you understand a little bit now where, you know, my family came from and why my family is number one to me. You know, I could deal with bullshit online. I could deal with trolls online. Thank you, Joe. I have a lot more stories like that. But that one I wanted to tell because for everybody out there that, you know, thought it was funny, like I said, John Draper did not mean anything malicious towards my family 
last week. He knows nothing about my family. And I'm not saying that to be a dick. He really does not. But a lot of people took that and ran with it and thought they were being funny, taking constant shots at my family and me, saying that we got this, we got that. They have no idea. My father is, was in Florida a couple of weeks ago to sell a property because he can't afford the difference in the taxes. My father is a big Trump supporter, and Trump fucked New York by limiting the tax uh, deduction you could make at $10,000. He screwed a lot of people. Everybody thinks I'm this crazy Trump supporter. Trump has hurt my family. A lot of people don't know that. But I don't usually get into that deep as far as my family. Don't assume that you know what's going on with my family because you don't. So I wanted to tell that story earlier to give people a little idea of where my family came from how poor that they were. And, you know, my father never forgot where he came from. And when people see me giving out 10 shirts, see me, you know, taking care of few people to go meet like Matt Hardy or someone else, you know, earlier, John Krauser, the cash app was giving out crazy money on Twitter. And I told cash app, I'm like, look, if you pick me, give it to John. Cause I know he could really use it right now. I don't have crazy money myself. I have $13,000 in credit card debt and seven of it is engagement ring. I'm still paying off. All right. I ain't got money like that. But the point is, is that my family never forgot where they came from and I never forgot, you know, and I try to give back wherever I can. But at the end of the day, you got to worry about you. You got to worry about your family. You got to worry about yourself. That is not a selfish thing. And if you fucking work one job, two job, three jobs, whether you work in an office or you pump gas, whether you work in a delicatessen or you work in a lawyer or in a law firm, you fucking get a nice paycheck at the end and you buy something with it. Don't you ever have anybody tell you that you did something wrong or you can't relate to somebody who is broke because you got something that they don't. Because at one point, my family was 50 times worse than a lot of people today. There's a lot of people out of work that are talking on $800 phones. So I don't ever besmirch anybody that has or has not. But at the same time, though, you know, you have to also understand. And this is what I was saying last week about the, the, the unemployment stuff. If you never pay into Social Security... Don't be surprised if you don't get a Social Security check when you're 65. You know, there are people that go 20, 30, 40 years, never pay into Social Security, and then they demand a check. You don't have a right to criticize that because you got and they don't. It, this is a social issue. And I agree. You know, people should be helping each other wherever they can right now. Have you noticed any millionaires out there just writing out checks to people online? Yeah, you might see someone give a nice tip to a to a waiter. Well, not right now because a lot of places you can't even go to a restaurant. But you see all these people giving the, singing these songs and this, this, and that, and they fucking disappear, you know? I mean, look at the wrestlers. I saw what Mustafa Ali did for that indie promotion in Chicago. My thought was, hey, I, can't, I thought of a wonderful idea. A lot of wrestlers who can afford it during WWE or AEW or another promotion since it's a tax write-off, 
Maybe you go back to your roots. You have an indie fed that you came up from. Maybe you, you know, take care of some of the, the expense because they can't do shows for the next month. You write it off as a tax write-off at the end of the year. Everybody could support a fed that they came from, from their particular state or particular country. The reason why I never said that idea publicly is because if I would have done that, I would have done the very same thing that I was criticizing about other people saying, oh, buy other people's shirts. If I can't do it myself, I'm not going to tell others to do it. But if you notice out there, there's a lot of people out there who have millions and billions of dollars, and I don't see them really you know, doing much of anything. And I see a lot of fraud out there. There's a lot of people online, oh, retweet me, and you know I'm going to give away $500. And it ends up being nothing. So, uh, let me see. I, I didn't kill the goat, neither did my father. My father was nine years old. My father looked up to my uncle. It, that was his big brother. And my father, you know, just, he followed my uncle everywhere. He looked up to my uncle. My uncle died about seven years ago. And he, sh he didn't need to die. And you know what? Maybe I'll tell this story too because maybe it'll convince someone out there when you don't feel right, go to the hospital, go to the doctor. You know, I'm Italian. And my family is Italian, old school. And one thing about old school Italians, and this is just majority, not everybody, but majority. A lot of old school Italian guys, they have this ridiculously dumb ego that, not only do they have to support their whole family, but if they get hurt, they can't show it. My father's a great example of that. My father hurts himself. He'll be like, ah, and the minute my mother's looking at him, he'll be like, ah, I'm fine, I'm fine. He couldn't show weakness. And I hate weakness. I understand why people have weakness, but I hate weakness when someone is able. There's a difference someone is unable and you have weakness. But when someone is able and has weakness, and that could be interpreted to laziness, you know, I don't, I, I don't like that. But I got that from my father. So anyway, my uncle was like that too. My uncle, I didn't talk to for a while. This is my uncle that, you know, took me in, you know, when I got thrown out of my house in 88. You know the story already. Anyway, long story short, about seven years ago, my uncle was in Florida, and he had some chest pains. And um, he talked to his doctor. He didn't even, he's like telling my aunt, nah, I'm fine, I'm fine. I just got a chest cold or something. My aunt was like, please call the doctor. Calls the doctor up. Doctor tells him, look, you need to come in. We need to get you a stress test. Something's wrong with your heart. And my uncle's like, all right, all right, all right. You know, they, so he sets up the appointment. So I think a day before the appointment, my uncle calls the doctor and is like, look, I got to work today. I got to do something. We'll do it next week. He died two days later. And he had a heart attack. He had blocked arteries. And my, my uncle be with this Italian ego, ah, I'm all right. It's nothing. It's nothing. You know, it could kill you. So anything you ever feel, something is off, you know. It, it always get it checked out because you never know. You never know. So anyway, everybody, I went a little bit longer than I planned, about two hours. But we had a wonderful conversation. I'm glad everybody stuck around. No technical issues today, which is awesome. Makes my job a little bit easier over here. And uh, Monday, be back for the DTKC show. 
Wednesday will be Wednesday Night Dynamite. Um, look, if there's not a whole lot going on in the world of pro wrestling, we are definitely going to try to give, give ourselves a little bit of a break next week. You know, don't want to really keep talking about the same thing with the virus, the virus, the virus, the virus. We'll see what happens Monday with Raw. Um, we'll play it by ear. But next Friday is my birthday. Um, I normally don't celebrate my birthday. I have been doing this for years. To me, it's just another day. But since it happens to be on Friday, since I can't go out to dinner for my birthday, and since SmackDown is on, and it's this a week, really a week before WrestleMania, Mish and I will be here next Friday to do an episode of Breakfast Soup for everybody tuning in. What we decided to do is we decided to split any contributions that come in 50-50, and we're going to donate, uh, we're going to split it and donate it to the COVID-19 relief fund. That was Kevin Matthews, who's a wrestler, you've seen him impact wrestling. I, I know him for many years, not really personally, but I actually worked some shows with him back in the day. Really good guy, and he got, a, you know, he was talking to somebody online the other day and was talking about the COVID-19 relief fund. They said, oh, that's a great idea. And we'll, so we'll do that. So, the idea next week is this. Mish and I are going to come up here, 10.05, 10.15. We haven't decided what time yet. We'll talk SmackDown. We'll talk about whatever news is going on. But we're also going to take contributions from everybody. $2, $5, whatever it is. And we're going to keep going. And once we hit like five minutes of no contributions, that's when we stop the show. So every... You know, as long as it comes, even if it's a dollar or two. And like I said, we're going to divide it right down the middle and we're going to put that money to COVID-19 relief. And since Super Chat is visible for everybody, you will know every dollar that comes in and I will post the receipt showing that money donated to the penny. So that's what we're going to do next week. So we're going to do a fun show. Maybe we'll tell some more old school stories, a couple of personal things. You'll be able to ask us anything. It does not have to be just wrestling. It could be anything. And um, we'll see how long it goes. We keep getting some contributions. We'll, we'll go two hours, three hours, four hours, whatever. So we'll have fun. You know, we'll raise some money in the process and I uh, hope you all could tune in. So everyone, thank you as always. Before you leave, if you liked Today's show, hit the like button because that gets me a little bit additional exposure. It doesn't cost anything, but just hit that like button on the way out. And uh, this way, maybe my this feed will pop up in someone else's channel or feed or whatever suggestion. Maybe it'll learn a little bit about what we talked about today. And um, also, if you, if you like stuff like this, definitely let me know. You want more shows? where it's more personal like this and more real conversation, I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't mind. Like I said, you give me two months, which is right about now, and I could start branching out and doing some more content. doesn't have to be all pro wrestling. We can mix it up a little bit. You know, if you, if you like this and you want more of this style, the only way I'm going to know is if you tell me. And if you think others out there would enjoy it as well, Spread the word. Let them know about this show. Let them know about this episode. Let them know about whatever. And uh, I can't thank you enough. And it was fun. It was fun. You know, getting to talk real and raw 
You know, hopefully, see, this is the thing people need to understand too. And I hope John is listening to this more than anybody. You know, Twitter is 320 characters. And I'm not going to type four, five, six tweets just to dispel anybody who thinks that I'm being ambiguous. If anybody out there has any question about anything I say, you could always drop me a PM. Dude, what do you mean by this? Dude, you know, you're talking about this? You're talking about me? You're talking about my brother? You're talking about this? You know, instead of just, you know, assuming stuff and then when you're wrong and don't want to admit that you're wrong, you know, it makes it worse, you know? So I, I, I make my remarks. If people think I'm talking about them and I'm not, too bad. That's how I look at it. I owe nobody an explanation. You want an explanation, you come to me privately and I'll be happy to give you one. But the idea of writing all these cheap shot tweets before you even ask me, you know, I just think that's wrong because I don't do that to anybody else out there. You know, there's some people who have burned bridges with me online and I don't even think they know it because I come from, you know, I'll tell you another good story. You'll like this one. Hey, I'll give you one more. This is a customer of mine. Italian also. You'll see why when you burn bridges, for me, that's it. One of my customers was in jail for 20 years back in the 80s. And he had a brother that lived in Italy. Came to America, needed a place to stay. My customer was in jail at the time. My customer's wife called you know, got in touch with my customer who was in jail and said, look, my brother's coming in from Italy. Can he stay by our house for a little while? My customer was in jail. Now, I didn't know him at that time and found this story out after. Um, the guy's in jail. What is he going to say? His wife is home. He's in jail. And his wife's brother is coming in from Italy. He needed a place to stay. He asks his sister, can I stay here? My customer's wife asks him, can I stay? Can he stay? Yes. Okay, no problem. So guy stays for about six months. One day he just disappears. Gets up and leaves the house. Doesn't tell his sister nothing, just leaves the house. About a month after, my customer, who's in jail still, his son calls him up and says, hey, dad, I got a wedding to go to. And uh, can I wear your Cartier or whatever brand it was? It was like a $20,000 watch. He's like, can I wear your Cartier to the wedding? And my customer says, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. You know, just, you know, tell your mother to open the safe and, you know, take it and use it. So my customer's son tells his mother, you know, that this guy said it was okay. She opens the safe and uh, the watch is gone. Dad, there's no watch here. Dad, there's a couple of things missing here. It ends up that the brother of the wife who came in from Italy and needed a place to say he stole the jewelry. And when he took like $30,000, $40,000 worth of jewelry, he disappeared. So this guy who was in jail basically put the word out to find this guy. 
I'm not going to get into details. Let's just say nothing happened to the guy, but something should have happened to the guy, but nothing did happen to the guy. So anyway, my customer gets out of jail about, I don't know, five, six years later, and he finally sees this guy face to face. And the guy's crying and he's telling him, you know, you know, I, I'm sorry, you know, I was on drugs and I was desperate and I owed money to people. I would have been killed this and that. And my customer said to him, he says, don't worry about it. He says, money could always be replaced. Jewelry could always be replaced. And if anybody ever saw The Godfather 2, when Al Pacino said, nothing happens to my brother as long as my father is alive. Remember Vito Corleone? Nothing happens to Fredo while my father is alive. And the minute that Vito Corleone died, that's when Al Pacino made the move on Fredo. Anyway, it didn't get to the point that point with this guy, but my customer told the people who he said to find this guy, told them, he says, as long as my sister, my wife is alive, nothing happens to him. That was her brother. So my customer, all of these years, this is now 35 years later. The guy died about six months ago. And my customer had to take care of the whole funeral. My customer, for 35 years, because this guy was his wife's brother, for 35 years, told everybody, as long as my wife is alive, nothing happens to that guy. That guy ended up dying. Health reasons. And my customer had to pay for his funeral. Just think about that. Somebody that screws you over that badly and because you love your wife that you will not do anything to her brother, that for 35 years you're waiting one day to get revenge on this guy and the guy ends up dying on you. Now, I don't condone any revenge or anything like that. There's other ways of doing it. My point is, is that sometimes when somebody burns a bridge, the best thing to do is to just smile. The best thing to do is to let everybody think no problems. Back of your mind, you never forget. That guy never asked for a favor ever again. Do I think my customer would have ever done anything to this guy if my customer's wife died? No, no, because my customer would not want to have gone to jail again. I truly, truly believe that. But this guy knew he fucked over my customer. He can never, ever go to my customer again for a favor. So you got some hustlers online. Nobody in the podcast inner circle. I swear on God, let me make that clear. But there's some people online that are hustlers. I've had conversation with Mish about this, especially some hustlers. And there's some people that smile to my face and are trying to hustle me as well. Not just podcasting in real life and friend, you know, Facebook, personal stuff, you know, just because someone else lives their entire life on Twitter doesn't mean I do. And just because someone only uses Twitter doesn't mean I don't use other things. But if you think of that story about this guy and his wife's brother stealing all that jewelry on him, somebody does me wrong, nine times out of ten, you'll never know it. But I will tell you that the people who have slighted me, I know. And I'll smile and I'll act like nothing's wrong. 
And meanwhile, I've already moved on. You know, the difference is, is that I ain't, you know, I ain't going to get revenge on these people. Sooner or later, they fucked themselves up. And that's my message to everybody out there too. Somebody does you wrong, it ain't worth you getting in trouble for. It ain't worth me getting in trouble for. It ain't worth whatever misery you want to do to that person. I always look at it that if somebody's a fraud or if somebody screws you over, sooner or later the truth comes out. Sooner or later that person will do it to someone else. And then that's how you enjoy it. I'll tell you one more quick story and then I'm out of here. Sandy, Superstorm Sandy, and some of you know this story already. Superstorm Sandy, my neighbor, my neighbor got leveled. I don't even need to remind everybody about what happened to my family. Patrons actually saw the video of my parents' house destroyed and my father in a state of shock and me crying like a baby. You've seen that video. Very, very personal, very raw. There were a lot of contractors in my neighborhood that were trying to help a lot of people. Just like coronavirus, people trying to help people. Wonderful thing. Not everybody's out to help people. People out there to take advantage. One guy in the neighborhood was a contractor. I won't say what type of work he did, but he was a contractor. And he was doing contracting work for one of my customer's mothers and right about two weeks after Sandy. And he told my customer's mother that he was going to do this job for like $2,500. Halfway through the job, and Joe, stick around five minutes. This is a five-minute story, and I'm out of here. He tells my customer's mother he's going to do the job for $2,500. So he starts doing all this work on the house, and a third of the way through, he triples the price. It says it's $7,500. Not because he had to do extra work, but because so many people in Howard Beach needed contractors and they were in such demand that he was spending so much time at this one particular house, she had to triple, pay him triple if she wanted him to do the work because he was missing out on all these other jobs. She said, I can't afford that. So she says, could you finish the job and we'll work something out? He finishes the job. She insists on $7,500. She can't afford it. He puts a lien against her house. My customer comes into my office and he knew that this guy used to have insurance with me. And he told me, he said, he wants to put a bullet through this guy's head. And I told him, I said, listen, you do that, you're going to be in jail for the rest of your life. He's going to kill your mother and this, this, and that. You know, try to work something out with the guy. You know, if he screwed you over, he's going to screw someone else over, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, they ended up cutting it in half. My customer's son paid like 3500 but my customer still wanted to beat the fuck out of this guy. This guy was 70 years old. Wanted to beat the shit out of him. A lot of other people were telling my customer too, don't do anything, don't do anything. If he screwed you, he screwed somebody else. Let someone else do it. So anyway, about two years later, this is 2014, we find out that my customer, the contract, is in the hospital in critical condition. And the story that was going around was that he was on like a pole, a utility pole, and he fell and he hit his head against the floor and he was unconscious and he cracked his skull open. The story that followed after that was somebody that he fucked over from Sandy went up to him with a baseball bat and whacked him in the back of the head and he went critical condition. Every person that he fucked over that wanted to do something to him but didn't, 
all got their revenge on that guy without lifting a finger. Somebody fucks you over, eventually they're going to fuck somebody else over. Let those people do it. And you enjoy, it's twisted, but your life is not wor worth getting ruined because of a piece of shit. I don't let people get to me. My haters, my best revenge, having all of you tuning in. My best revenge, being able to take this to the next level. My best revenge, when I smile here, it is 1,000% authentic. You know what's one cool thing, and I'm out of here? You look at the photos I post from Soup, Breakfast Soup, even if you're not a patron. You post the photos from my other video shows. 90% of the time you see me smiling because I'm having fun. And my smiles are authentic here. And this is the connection that I've been wanting to have with all of you for years. And finally pulled the, pull, you know, pulled the plug. Well, no, that's not right. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. We, we, you know, we finally pulled the trigger. That's what it is. Pulled the trigger and it's awesome. So much love to everybody. I'm out of here. Spread the word and please hit the like button on the way out. So everybody... Make sure you tune in Monday for the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle show. Be safe. Be careful. Just, you know, just really pay attention to your surroundings. And let's hope, you know, I've been saying for a couple of days now, I think two weeks won't be cured. But I think in two weeks we'll be in a much better position than we are now. I'm really praying for that. So, everyone, take care. Appreciate it. Good night, everybody. Oh it was fun to channel surf. It was kind of hard to do a little pocket pool after you hitting the last channel button 50 times for two hours plus. John and his whole idea of overanalyzing, oh, he's an alcoholic and he misplaced the belt. And how could you have someone champion like that? Get the fuck out of here. Wednesday night. Don Mike, you can have fun. You really are. <laughs> Tune out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash Nebbia. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to myhealthpolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, myhealthpolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. Myhealthpolicy.com.